Stay tuned to Vinyl Community Podcasts. Buddy, buddy, buddies. Hey, it's Concert Buddy. Welcome back to another episode of Vinyl Community Podcasts. I don't really have a brand uh, anymore. I was doing like Mind of the Record Collector. I'm trying to be all cutesy with these these titles, but these are just conversations at this point. And I'm joined by somebody who we've been doing the dance. We've been circling the drain, trying to figure out how to make this work. And we'll kind of get into that. George Borden, fresh off or almost fresh off of a 24-hour live stream. George, how are you? Doing great. Hello, buddies. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, it's I always wanted to say that say hello to the buddies. So there you go. It's great to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Well, George, I'm glad you came on. And, and it's funny because when I started or when we, when we collectively started Mount Community Podcast, you were one of the first people I reached out to, but Hey, what do you think? And, and so we've done that dance and we can kind of talk about a little bit about that later, but always enjoyed what you've done. Like you've been live streaming before. Oh, how long have you been live streaming? I think it's right at about a year almost now. I think we're at a year. Um, I started the channel back like in 2014 and then I started doing vinyl community videos in 2019 and then all kinds of stuff got in the way, like life stuff. And then I stopped doing that and then uh, kind of started back up uh, early last year, 2022, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Something like that. Yeah. Cause I would, I would come in there and there would be like four people. Yeah, people, eight people. And you guys were talking, I mean, and we'll kind of get into that. I mean, some of the stuff that you've talked about in your streams, like way over my head. And that's great. Like, I, I, I like to like fly on the wall when you guys are talking about gear and things that I really have no business even like trying to talk about. But I think that's yeah. what makes the streams interesting, right? Because you have a little something for everybody. And we'll kind of get into that. But kind of leaning into the lead there, like what lead or what led you to like, check out YouTube or start a channel or vinyl community air quotes. What, what was kind of the impetus behind that? Um, at the beginning, um, 2014, it was really just to share videos with friends that, uh, uh, across the United States, I had, um, some concert videos and was doing some things that had to do with recording and stuff like that. And it was just like, I had maybe 25, 30 subs that were just people that I knew. And it was, we were literally using YouTube for what it was originally intended to do was just like post some things and, and invite your friends to come and watch them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, literally. Um, and so that was it. And then later when I, in 2019, I just, you know, you get into like one of those rabbit holes where you're, (laughs) you're watching this and then at least did that. And then this and that. And I rolled up on some people talking about records you know, um, I think the guy Jeff Party and Paraka P Dub and yeah, yeah, Paul, even yeah. yeah, even Mazzy and those cats. Like I was watching those guys early on, and 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 I just liked the idea, of just sitting there and talking about music and talking about records. And I, it didn't dawn on me at first to talk about it in the form of records. It just mm-hmm. it was just fun to talk about music. But then it's like, okay, well, I got a lot of records, so let's talk about them. If it was it was also hard to find people that had records around me. You know, and I worked at a at a recording and film college, but yet no, everybody was into digital. You know, at that time. Mm, it's it's funny you mentioned the the deep dives. I was actually guilty of one earlier this week. You're gonna laugh, but somehow I don't even know how. 
but I, I, I landed on a video about Indian call centers, like the scammers who try to like take care, you know, advantage of older people. And four hours later, I'm watching because there's a, there's like a, a whole counter movement of like anti scammers who will hack them and record. Them. Anyway, so yeah, four hours of my life gone in a blink of an eye. That's how that's how easy. <laughs> yeah, no, and 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 it it's I, you know sometimes I get into the the true crime ones and then I freak myself out and then I like <laughs> did I hear something? Did I hear? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, and then I'm checking the windows and turning on the lights outside. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm good. You know, you got to be careful. For sure. That's <laughs> fine. Well, well, talking about collecting, you know, having records and being, you know, not surrounded by people with records, looking for, you know, communal conversation like that. How long have you been collecting records? And, and, and were you one of these people who, with the advent of CDs, digital, the format changes, did you ever get off of records or did you pare down or what, what did that look like? Okay, so it started for me freakishly young. Um, I just happened to be lucky that my parents were into it, you know, and had there was, you know, it was a typical early 70s living room where there was a black and white television. And then there was like one of those console stereos. And mm -hmm. then there was records, you know, and and um, I was gifted probably like on my third birthday, a record player. I mean, I literally have that kind of memory, like still wearing diapers and, you know, or, you know, onesies and shit stuff. And, and, you know, stealing records from the living room, that became the thing. I would steal the records and bring mm. them into my room. And my parents mm. would be like, where's my Dave Mason record? You know? And, and I, I, Oh, I don't know. You know, and my mom's flipping. Like, Thank you. We'll take this back. They're having like, you know, they're having a friends over and, and they want to listen to a record. And I've got it in the bedroom. Yeah. But, so I have some records. I still have records that we, you know, acquired in 73, 74, 75 oh, okay. that I've been carrying around all this time. Um, I did get out of it um, for a little bit of time because around the time that CDs were kind of hitting big was also like I was finishing high school. I, I graduated high school in 86. Okay. And that was like, you know, CDs were kind of taken off you go to a record store and there would be still records in there and a little section of cds yeah tall box yeah. Yeah. yeah and then it just slowly shifted and and became way more cds and the records got smaller mm -hmm. um but when i got out of high school you know i i kind of left the the house early and it made sense you know right when i was 18 i i wanted to get out you know move on to my own you know and and it made sense to kind of put the records and the stuff under the house and boxes and kind of carry around CDs because you're living in an apartment. You barely even have furniture when you're that young and you're, yeah. you know what I mean? And you move a lot. And I was moving up to Northern California for a brief moment and then going back to LA and doing all that kind of thing. And it just made sense to carry CDs because it was easier. Um, but flash forward to 93, I had moved back up to Northern California. My parents moved from LA back to Northern California. And as I was helping them unpack their truck, by gosh, my mom had saved all of it. It, it she just said there, and there's, I, I open up a box and George's records, you know, there, there they are. And That's I said, awesome. is the, do we still have the turntable? Yeah, we still got the turntable. And it was like, boom. So there was probably about a, you know, 87 through 93 about a six-year period where i was just living with the cds mm -hmm. and then i got the records back and then obviously it was the perfect time too to get them back then because you know dollar 95 all day long you yeah. know the good old, the, what we call the good old days that's when i was i was coming at the tail end of that because you could still get i mean I, I again convert i did stream and i did napster in college all that stuff but yeah it used to be the barrier to entry 
was so cheap that it was like, why are you not doing this? I mean, obviously the convenient, you know, they say the convenience of vinyl, you know, flipping it over and all kidding. But, uh, but yeah, the, the good old days, you could go thrifts, you could go even to the record stores, even record stores, they would have small boxes of stuff people had traded in for like pennies on the dollar. And you could pull like the good old days, you could probably pull a Led Zeppelin turquoise. Oh, no yeah. problemo. Now forget about yeah. it. Right? Oh yeah. And British Beatles all day long and mono Sergeant Peppers and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it, it, it was, it, it, I, I have to admit too, that when I was a teenager, I didn't treat my records with the utmost care, you know, because you always just figured you just go get another one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mobile media. Yep. Yep. And when you, when you were partying with your friends, man, so you'd, you'd wake up in the morning, you have to find all the covers and the inner sleeves and the records and try to put everything back together. After a while, you just, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, kind of had a stack of records outside the cover at some points, you know, mm -hmm. but, but obviously when I was older, uh, in my twenties and I got them back and I, and I was so kind of bummed at myself for not taking care of them. Not because I thought they'd be worth anything, but because, Oh, now I got to go buy this again. Sure. You know? Sure. And then I was able to go out and find them all again and, and, and just keep going. It was fun. So from, so from that point, when, when my mom's box of records pops up, how long did it take you or did you like dive right back in or was it just kind of like an ancillary thing of, yeah, I'm still listening to CDs. Yeah. I've got records. Now I got a record player back. If I can get them cheap, cool. Like did, was there ever a collector mindset or was it just like, Oh yeah, I'll pick this up. Or, Oh yeah. I saw this. Bring it home. I think what it was, was that once I got the turntable back to my house and it was, it was a really good turntable too. It was an Akai linear tracking turntable that was like state of the art in the, at the end of the eighties, okay. really high quality turntable. And I got it all set back up and I, I, I got the record out and got the brush out and cleaned the thing. I just, I remembered like, I, this means more to me mm. than a CD. I, I never, I never got off on the idea of, you know, opening the little plastic thing and pulling out the little disc at the, at the beginning, it seemed very space age and yes. like Star Trek. Yes. But that wore off after a while. I never really put together why it, it, they never meant as much to me. Whereas the records, I felt like I, I need to take care of these. I need to, you know, give them a space with my CDs. I ended up throwing all the covers away and just keeping like the paper and the thing in those booklets, you know, so you could have like 200 and this big, yeah, space, the big binder or the C yeah. the visor binder. Remember those? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, it's like with records, it was, it's like, you know, you, it's like you, if you're going to move into a house, the first thing you have to do is go, okay, where do I keep the records? You know, it's, it's becomes part of the family. To me, at least, that's that's how weird it is for me. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed the mechanical part of it. So, yes, I was immediately now trying to go back and recapture the records that I had lost or the ones that I had that needed to be improved. And so it, it was immediate, like 93, I'm in it. And luckily for me, at the time, I lived here in the Bay Area, and my parents lived up in a town called Sonora, up sort of by Yosemite. Okay. Um, in between Yosemite and Lake Tahoe, right up in the Sierras in the foothills. So it was like a 125 mile trek, you know? And so there was at least four or five little record stores that I became aware of on the, on the way there and on the way back. So I would, every time I'd go to visit my parents, I would sort of stop at these places and see what they had. And there was new records still coming out. It was blowing my mind. And then there was a lot of like, you know, used bins. And it was just so, uh, it was so cheap. It was so fun. You know, 
you 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 go to you're gonna go collect a big stack of records and it's like well, I better take forty bucks. Mm-hmm. You know now you forty bucks is maybe gonna get you one Art Blakey record. You know um, that's true. Well, you even think about that time. I mean, forty bucks you're getting a big stack. You're getting what maybe two three long box CDs because CDs were like remember mm-hmm. price point was like seventeen ninety eight at one point on some of that stuff. I yeah. Mean, crazy going to tower records or some of those dinosaur places and yeah it was almost twenty dollars 20 30 years ago it's the industry yeah. you wonder why they kind of price themselves out which you raise a good point they're kind of doing a little bit again now they're kind of like oh great vinyl is back air quotes and yeah. we're going to just keep pushing the elasticity of that price point until it comes back so it's funny how yeah. that happens <laughs> and then and also in the 90s i started doing a lot more uh mastering jobs especially towards the end i was doing a lot of recording you know of bands engineering and producing records and then well, well, let's I, talk about that how did you yeah. get into that because and we can talk about how it connects to, the, to, to collecting and stuff but how did you get how did you break into the industry and and decide like this is what i want to do for work Okay, well, um, it started very early on. I mean, I was the kid when I was in fifth grade. I had a band. Okay, so it started from the the musician piece of yeah, and, and then, yeah, and then and and but my goal was always to make a record. You know, I didn't have a band because I wanted that vibe of yeah, you know, and and rocking and all that kind of stuff, which is it's fun and I can do it. Um, but you know, when I learned how to make music. I was learning it all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I, my fascination at first when I was five was make records. So in order to make records, I had to have music and I'm an only child and none of my cousins, mm-hmm. I had a lot of cousins in my family, but none of them were really as interested back then that early on. Mm-hmm. My, some of my cousins later became interested in making music, but they, I needed to learn how to play the drums for instance, because you need to have drums for a record. And I was lucky enough to where my biological father, who passed away a long time ago, uh, I have an adopted father now that you know my mom remarried, and I have an adopted father. But my uh, my biological father was very encouraging, and he was in it. You know, he was doing that. He was going to studios. So when I was a little kid, I was backstage at concerts. I was at, at Wally Heider Recording Studio watching people make records because my my you know my father at the time was into was doing that so he was also encouraging so he here's a tape machine you know here's you know here's your turntable he made me some speakers here's a guitar you know here's a, a drum set that, that kind of stuff so i want I, I i so i by the time i'm uh in fifth grade i moved to los angeles in 1978 when i was in fifth grade and then all of a sudden everybody was a musician and they were all you know they were all better than anybody i'd ever met when i was in fourth grade back here in the bay area so that's how it started was just wanting to, to be in a band thinking that if you made good music, then you would naturally get to make a record. And then by the mid eighties in high school, there was studios everywhere. So it was easy to get into a studio for recording purposes. Also um, the recording gear became available to you, you know, at a, a, on a, on a home level or a lot more of it. Sure. So that just naturally progressed into me gathering the experience and then, you know, eventually working in a recording studio as a recording engineer and then producing records, you know, and also don't forget it all started off with the Kool-Aid commercials and uh, you know, my acting. Uh, thing. I, did, I didn't want I, in case that was a sore spot, George, I didn't want to bring up no. child actor, George Borden, but it doesn't uh, bother me. <laughs> so you were kind of, and, and this is after you moved to LA, you're, you're yeah. dipping your toe in that. So you I mean, you're a multimedia 
potential star. You're trying the music. You're trying the, the child actor thing. Like, yeah. sing and dance. Were you a dance guy? Could you do some no. popping and locking, George? No, none of that. No, <laughs> just just acting and, and playing music. But, um, you yeah, know, and I got to I got to uh, hang out with you know me and uh, even cats like Jason Bateman was coming up at the same time. We're roughly the same age. And so we were showing up, uh, you know, we even had signed to do a movie together that fell apart, you know, at the end. So there was a, a lot of, um, you know, I was, it, it, but, but for me, the acting part was really something that I was just doing to create money. Right. So mm -hmm. I could buy an, a Marshall stack for my bedroom, you know, or a new drum set. And so what happens when you're doing that, you're going on interviews all the time. And your friends are saying, yeah, we're going to get together after school and go jam at so-and-so's house. And you're like, uh, you know, man, I got to go, go audition for a McDonald's commercial, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and it, it and so uh, I, it, it didn't take me too long to just get tired of it and, and, and just stop doing it, you know? Um, but yeah, so it, it all sort of kind of progressed naturally. It started with me wanting to make records, learning how to play music once. And then the thing that was lucky about it was that I learned how to play all of the instruments required to make, you know, rock pop music. So I could then get into a, I've been the bass player in a band. I've been the drummer in a band. I've been the guitar player in the band. I've been the singer in a band. I've been, you know, whatever. Um, and that, that was like, and I'm not that great at any of them, like that mind blowing you know, like, like Eddie Van Halen style, but mm -hmm. it's good enough to uh, play in, in a show or to record. And that was always the goal. It's, it's a lot more difficult to play in a recording studio because it's gotta be very exact. It's all under a microscope on stage. You can, you can make a mistake. Mm -hmm. and probably nobody noticed. So mm -hmm. um, anyway, that just kept progressing until um, I was then, you know, producing records for, for other folks, you know, and had my own recording studio also had rooms in the city in San Francisco where I was recording and, and that, that progressed into the education side of it, okay. where once you, you've gathered enough experience, you then can teach at a, like an art, like a recording technology college. And I ended up at a very prestigious college here in the Bay area where I was able to continue to make records and continue to teach the art of making oh. them. Um, and that, and I've been doing that for the last, you know, 30 years almost. So, so if I'm following the timeline, yeah, you're in LA late seventies, early eighties, how yeah. do you, did you, or how did you not get pulled into like the hair sunset strip scene? Because that seemed well, to be like, okay, so you were, so, so you were going to the Roxy and seeing those bands when they're like really early and stuff. Oh well, yeah. And I was playing at all those places too in oh, the, awesome. in later parts of the eighties and the mid eighties, you know, the, again, the, the amount of talent that was in the high school where I happened to live and the high schools around there was immense and it was difficult to not find a good band or to start a good band and then play out. And, you know, it, you just, you start at the kegers, you know, you're, you're, you're in someone's backyard, course, the yeah. kegs are flowing and a fight breaks out, you know, and the cops come and then you run away and then, but you know, if you're in the band, you can't because you're like, fuck, we got to break all this down. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you know, you maybe have one My brother's band, band. we yeah, got to move yeah. it. So nothing gets broken. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but, but then later it got more serious and more serious and then like development deals with record labels and things like that. And I realized real quick at that point that being in it, being a, a musician in the music industry was not something that I was into at all. I didn't want to, uh, as an, from an artist standpoint, mm -hmm. and I've, I've, I've done some pretty, you know, uh, I, I guess you would say sort of big league type 
uh, endeavors in the music industry as the artist, you know, playing and singing and writing and doing all that. It just wasn't for me. I don't, uh, the adulation thing goes no place with me. Uh, being famous is nothing that I think is even worth the time. It's there. I don't see an upside to it. Um, and the girls, George, the girls. Yeah. Well, you know, (laughs) look at me. That's not, this is not, no, (laughs) no. Um, but, but I, I, you know, um, it, it just, it just wasn't my thing. I, I, so to be, to be sort of behind the scenes, so, so to speak, making the records and helping artists do that. And then, you know, I get sucked into it, you know, obviously from time to time and, um, and, and play with people who I really love playing with, you know, um, and I consider it to be an honor. It's not like I'm turning it down or saying it's horrible. It's just, it's not for me. Um, sure. you know, that it gets a little invasive and it gets a little weird and you're, you're making a lot of compromises. And, you know, I found a way to where when I want to make a record, I can find really good musicians or do it myself and I can just do it because I want to do it and say what I want to say and make the music that I want to make that is not commercial. It's not, you know, mainstream at all. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's, you know, and I like that part of it. Whereas though, if I'm the engineer or the producer, it's very easy for me to just look between the record label and the artist and sort of sort things out and make the record that everybody has decided to make. And it doesn't compromise me, you know, as an artist, so to speak, you know, so it's uh, you know it's there's a lot of moving parts here chance there's a lot of moving parts (laughs) well i got another question on that so how important is networking because obviously like you're talking about like putting a lot of pieces together putting the puzzle together and Mm -hmm. obviously you work with different people different musicians different uh uh, studio uh owners etc etc so how important is it to, to the networking piece and and finding people one you like working with two you know will show up because that's really important yeah. right like your greatest ability is your availability and 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 three like how difficult is it to kind of manage all that in the minutia it's a very small industry that's the first thing it, it seems vast because uh-huh. there's a lot of people trying to make music but that's not the industry right? The industry, it's like the NFL, right? How many football players are there in the world? Sure. And I'm, I'm talking about American football. So don't, don't kill me. All you, all you Europeans, the one shaped like this, you know? Uh, yeah. So, so, but like, the, you know, less than 1% of all those kids that play in high school and beyond make it to the NFL. Uh-huh. And it's, it's, you know, the, 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 the big time record industry is similar to that. Right. So once you start working to a point where you find yourself getting into that zone, you realize it's not as big as it seems. I mean, if you think about it, you know, there's a lot of mastering engineers and there's a lot of recording engineers, but when we're talking about records and stuff, we end up talking about like the same five or six people most of the time because they're putting out like 80% of the records that we're going after. Um, and and I'm I'm making it simpler than it is, but networking is is you know you can't do this by yourself. I know people want to make you think that, right? You could just sit down at your laptop, you mm-hmm. can pour yourself a coffee, yeah, right, right, and have that thing up on iTunes that night, and never talk to another soul. Never, you know, just boop boop beep beep, make it all happen, and then it's up there. Okay, that's fine, but I guarantee you that if you had five or six different opinions that you that you trusted that were you know experienced opinions it would be better than it was had you not 
And that's where the networking comes in. It's there's, there's, there, you know, that, that cliche of strength and numbers, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's hard for an artist to take an idea, throw it out on the table and then let people converge on it. Like a bunch of jackals, you know, <laughs> you know, and then, and, and there's like a big dust cloud and then it's like, you know, peanuts or something, you know, like Snoopy when they're making like a sandcastle, you know, and then all of a sudden they back away and it's like, Whoa, there that's is. not what I was planning. Mm-hmm. But that and that happens with music, but it's important to remember that no one thing defines you. You know, this one song is not going to define you this one time in the studio. And it's not a product of you. It's a product of all of these people that were involved. And once you sort of give into that idea, it makes it a lot easier to collaborate, you know, and it, uh, it is definitely um, worth the time to hang out with people that are way better than you Mm. it's it's humiliating sometimes Mm -hmm. it's intense it's frightening and it's scary but you learn real fast you know uh and you pick up a lot of really good things on the way and 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 most of the people that you work with in that context will be nurturing and they're happy to see it i don't i don't consider other engineers that are that that are you know early on in their careers to be a threat to me i want to help you know them so networking yeah i mean um but on that tip I would just say, and then I'll, I'll stop because I know I just start flapping and, you know, George Boredom. That's my name. Oh, uh, see, I, I wasn't really going to bring it up, George, but okay. It's all right. It's all good. I'm like, I'm cool with that. I, I don't mind being a nerd. But what I would say is this. What you do is you, you everybody's going to get a lucky break. You're just not going to know when it's the lucky break. You're not, you may not even recognize it as being significant. Mm-hmm. So what that the only thing that leaves for you to do is to just execute every time mm. be as well rehearsed as you can be practice as much as you can get those hours in and treat every single one of them. Like it's the super bowl because you don't know which one of them is going to be the thing that, you know, if we could predict it, then we we'd all be on a yacht with Jay-Z. Right. Right. So, so just realize that you will, it will happen. You may not recognize it while it's happening. And that's sort of frustrating, you know, because you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, we've, we're so used to seeing the movies where it's like, you know, the big break comes and they're just there and that's superstar overnight. Yeah. 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 Well, but, you know, it, it makes me think, I don't know if you've heard this, but so Brian Cranston, the guy, Walter White from Breaking Bad, very he familiar. Did, he did not get like his big break. I think Malcolm in the Middle was his big like commercial break he, until yeah. he's like 40. Right. Uh-huh. And so I was listening to an interview he did once and I've always kept this to heart is that he said, you know, because he'd go auditions and it just wasn't going places. He, you know, exactly what you're talking about. There was an overnight success. He'd been doing it. He was waiting tables, like the whole, the whole rigmarole. You hear a lot of uh, actors talk about. And he yeah. said that he always held to these four kind of tenets: that you had to be patient, mm-hmm. you had to be persistent, mm-hmm. luck, like you're talking about, which you really can't control. You can kind of make your luck if you're prepared, right? But you, luck yeah. and, and in talent, either you have it or don't. And if you have it, you got to work at it to make sure that exactly what you're talking about. Like when the opportunity. One, you can recognize it, and two, you're prepared to act on it. So I always think about that in relation to exactly what you're talking about. Like when I worked for Nike, same thing. I was working with a lot of smart people, and there was a lot of imposter syndrome early on for me, and again, small potatoes, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it. I think when you're working around people that you know are like smart and really good at it, you have no other option. It's either sink or swim. 
Yeah. You're going to walk away. I can't do it. Or you're going to be pulled through the keyhole just mm-hmm. by being around talented people, smart people. Yeah. yeah. yeah and to be honest with you, most of the great people that I've ever met have a certain amount of imposter syndrome because they're sitting there going, why me? I, I'm just me. Mm-hmm. Why, why is everybody focusing on me right now? Uh, I'm, I'm just me. You know, and I think that's another thing, too, is that when you're when you're an upcoming into whatever it is you're trying to get into, you see this sort of collective of people that you consider to be, you know, successful. Sure. They're maybe you're you not necessarily idolize them, but uh, sorry, that's the neighbors up there. You, you don't necessarily idolize them, but you uh, but, you know, you 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 look at them with, you know. Uh, rose tinted glasses, like wow, like that. you just go, Yes, I really one of these days I want to be like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And you think it's like a little society of people that you know, and you're outside it and they're in it. Then you finally sit there and, and you realize they're all feel like they're outsiders, they're all individual human beings, mm-hmm. they don't feel like they're part of some kind of club that and and and, and they are just as sort of like you know, looking at the, 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 everybody else from the same perspective. Um, and that's something once you get, once you get that square, then you kind of go, okay, we're, we're all just trying to do the same thing here. And there's, there's good in this and I don't have to be uh, overwhelmed or afraid or, you know, shy about it. I can, I can say what I want to say, be who I want to be. And, and, and it'll work with some people and it won't work with others. You know, it's all good. You know? So how do you, so a little circle and tying it back to the record collecting and music collecting piece. Yeah. So being that close to literally making the donuts to borrow the expression, how does that, does that, does that give you a different perspective? Does it affect what kind of music you're looking to bring into your house to collect, to listen to, to uh, enjoy when you're around it so much and you're like literally like creating, like you said, like an artist, you're creating, helping these bands shape themselves. You're ha- helping a label and a band come together to make the record they want to make exactly like you said, how does that affect you and what you bring into your home to listen to? Um, I have, I have found myself working with bands where their music is completely foreign to me, you know, and I, and, and I have to kind of learn as I'm going along, but uh, I mean, at the end of the day, they trust me as a recording engineer. Usually they've heard something else that I did. And so they say, Hey, uh, can you do that to us? Well, we'll try. We get in there and they're playing completely different music than I'm, accustomed to hearing mm-hmm. and I, I i uh you know that may turn me on to some of their influences okay. and i might i might get them not from a sort of a fan of the music point but more like to study it right to become well versed in it sure. um you know it's 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 like i don't I don't necessarily want to learn another language, but it, it's definitely comes in handy when you're in a foreign country. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I want to put that time in, but it's the same kind of thing. Um, but then on the other side of it, there's times where I, I it, it grows on me and then I become a fan of that. But I'm my tastes for my personal listening pleasure. I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit are pretty sort of narrow. Uh, mm. I, I, uh, I have maybe 500 jazz records, not a lot, maybe, you know, three or 400 classical records, not a lot. And then the rest is all just the same kind of stuff that everybody would expect. You know, uh, I grew up in the seventies and in the eighties. And by the time I got to the eighties, my musical uh, preferences were already kind of almost done. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get into sort of a lot of the, you know, again, it's like, I, I feel, um, envious that i didn't get uh, to people that are listening to the smiths 
and the cure sure. and depeche mode that was not my style of music back then and and now that i see you know how people love it so much i i, I sometimes kind of go gosh i i wish i would have I, I have one Depeche Mode record. I have one Cure. You have Violator. Is that yeah, the one you I, have? Of course, I have Violator. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. And it was it was because that I I happened to be you know working in a record store you know in you know at the time you know to, to you know one of many jobs right you have sure. many you got to make ends meet and so you sometimes you have two or three different things you got to do and so uh, but being uh, you know. Yeah, I, it's all very narrow taste, though, for me. I, I mean, obviously, I'm a big Beatle fan, the Stones, the Led Zeppelins, the classics, that kind of thing. But those were those were the those were the new heavy duty bands when I was, you know, uh -huh. a little kid. Yeah. Right. So, sure. yeah. Well, let's let's tie it back to the to the YouTubes, as they say, because one thing and, and this is why I think the timing is good, because we're recording this at the end of the year. But you're going to be this is going to be the first uh, show of 2024 and I thought it was very symbolic because you just came off of the 24 hour live stream. So let's kind of dig in there. Um, <laughs> so, you know, obviously doing the YouTube stuff, getting to know people, knowing these various personalities as we do, what was the, what was the inspiration, the motivation, uh, or just the, why not this of, yeah, we're going to live stream. Cause you do live streams every Sunday night, most Sunday nights, uh, with Nick Pantasy yep. and, and, and sometimes John joined you, right? Like, so you guys kind of have like a, a set template and then, you know, have people up here and there, like anything else. You guys talk about a wide range of things, talk about gear, talk about music, talk about sound burgers. We're both owners of sound burgers. You have a vintage. I have unfortunately the, the repro, yeah. but, um, but how does it go from that to, yeah, let's just do a 24 hour live stream. Okay. So the reason that, the live streaming thing started in the first place. Uh, and as you said, at the beginning, it was me and two or three other people watching. And, hey, I, was, uh, I was one of those people when I could yeah. come in there. <laughs> yeah, no, and, 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 and fantasy was one of them, right? Miss you was one of them. So, but what it was, was that I was doing the thing where you sit down and you film a video and then you transfer the video into your computer and then you put it into, you know, whatever editor and then you do all that and it just seemed like it was a lot of stuff going on and nobody was really paying attention so what i figured is well hey if i just start if i just turn this thing on and start talking mm -hmm. about whatever it is i was going to make a video of then if somebody happens to jump in there then then maybe they'll get involved and it will become interactive it was literally that simple and so I started by talking about like a Van Halen record with the clicks in it. And then, uh, and then, but that was a video, I think. Then it was like, I was talking about XTC one night and, and I was going through the whole kind of history of XTC. And the funny thing was I didn't even pull the records out and show the covers or anything. I just went through like a historical perspective and Nick and, and Miss you were in there. And that just sort of started it. Like I realized, okay, so now I can talk about it. And if people jump in, they might give me a, a, a another little diversion. Sure. And I'm all about tangents, you know. Uh, <laughs> but then what happened was it was suggested to me in somebody else's chat, why don't you start talking about the technical side of making records? Because that's why um, I, I started getting involved, say, on Rachel's show in the morning for a bit was because – I, they were talking about mastering or making records or something like that. And I was in the chat answering questions and like everybody else. And mm -hmm. then somebody said, well, Hey, you know, Rachel, I think was like, Hey, I'd like to interview you. Why don't you come on the show? And so I never really did a sit down interview with her, but I just started jumping on in the morning and that, 
it, it was one day someone said, Hey, why don't you do that you know, on your channel? Talk about the technical stuff. So that's, that started that. And that's where the, the angle towards the more sort of like, let's talk about guitars or microphones or Nick's a tube guy. He likes to talk about amplifiers. Um, so it was just, and I, if and nobody's, I don't really think anybody's paid attention, but we took vinyl community off the title, mm-hmm. you know, about a month ago, four episodes back or something like that, just because, it, 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 people would get upset because like, well, if we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about guitars, uh, you know, <laughs> or we're going to, Oh, we're going to talk about records. It's like, oh, okay, but you know, we just can't, you know, so here it is. It's just called Sunday live stream and That's who knows what's going to happen. Right. So, and it's, and it's, it's been fun. And, and, and a lot of people, all the people that I was watching, you know, uh, and, and enjoying, uh, have, have come by at least once or twice. Um, and it's fun. You've been on there, you know, metal theologians been on there. Mm-hmm. You know, these are some people I've been watching for like a long time. Um, and so it, that's, that's great. I love, I love, uh, I love doing it. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll, we'll up the game next year and, and make it even better. Well, that, so with that said, the, the inspiration behind doing one for 24 hours though, George. Oh, well, that was just me. Okay. Okay. I, yeah. Sorry. Live streaming. Listen, live streaming is yeah. like, my, my, I, I think live streaming was like the tour of the George this year. Like I started doing so many yeah. people in the community started doing it. Right. But no one, as far as I know, like I know the jazz bomb, sometimes those streams can go on a hot minute going to the early morning hours, but a 24 hour. And again, and, and you can talk about it too, because obviously 24 hours, you're conditioned from back in your, your mastering days. Like, Oh yeah, we just go on a weekend vendor and we're good to go. But to do one of these live streams for yeah. 24 hours. Okay. How, why? Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry. I see. I like to go on tangents. Okay. So here's what happens. One time me and Nick were, when me and Nick talk, just each to each other. And we sometimes talk for five hours a day. We get into this, one okay. of these things, but we just don't go on air. Sure. Sure. So we're just video conferencing. And one time we were talking about something and it was like, wow, this would have been a good show. <laughs> and so Nick goes, well, just go live. Now we didn't think about it, but it was like, we didn't even pay attention to what night it was. And so we dumped, jumped on and we were kind of going over someone else's show bastard i know and we weren't even thinking about it but then it kind of went on for a long time and then i got asked to be on the jazz bums and this is when the long ones kind of started was that oh so you're you're the reason you and chris yes so what happened was is i'd already met felipe and i'd already met mike but i'd never had the chance to even speak to chris and when me and chris finally hit it off we we realized that we like had a, a lot in common we were really big rush fans and so the thing went on like all you know for hours. And then again, me and Nick did a couple where we didn't even realize it, but like eight hours had gone by. And all of a sudden people started talking about it. Like I'm the long stream guy. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. So that was it. That was the thing. So because I became the long stream guy, just like the most idiotic thing I could do, I said, okay, fine. When we ever hit, you know, if we ever hit 1000 subs, I'll do a 24 hour stream. Why not? And that was it. And again, as it was coming out of my mouth, I tried to suck <laughs> it, back it back in, <laughs> but it got away from me. And I said it. And then, you know, so we gave away a Rolling Stones box set and did a 24 hour live stream just because I was being called the live stream guy that did the long <laughs> ones. And we only did like three of them. 
and it was like we we did an eight hour one, and then someone's like, "Well, let's go to ten this time." And I remember, like, I think it was Jose, right? Oh. He he was in there, like, "Well, come on, man, let's just take it to twelve hours this time." It's like, oh man, you know, and and okay, fine, so we'll do it. So that's what happened, and I just I made the statement, and obviously had to live up to it. Well, that's more part why. more part to you for falling through, George. Because- <laughs> Because I, because I, I think I might have been watching that night when you said that, and I could almost see the word. I could almost see your hand come up, like you literally just gestured right there to pull the words back in. But um, so you did it. I did it. You did it. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think it's safe to say that the community kind of rallied around you for 24 hours for sure. At least there was there was. I don't even know if there was any drama. I think it was it was kind of like a, like a like a uh, what do they call those during wartime like an armistice. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there was there was there was it, there was little if any drama. There was people yeah. coming up during the overnight. You had the the European block. You had Stunty coming on. You had all those folks. Michael Forty Five jumped on, yeah. and then you had people who had been on. Like I I think I was on in the evening, and then I jumped on in the morning. And yeah, so it was really I, that's what I thought was really cool about it. Not only the fact you did it one, but two, the fact that everybody was really cool for the most part. There wasn't all yeah. that, you know, usual chirping. And if there was, it was dealt with or just yeah. kind of faded away, et cetera. Well, but, it, it, well and I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I oh, go ahead. Oh, you finish before I say it. No, no, no. I was just going to say it, it was, a, I, th- I think it was a nice moment for the community in the well, sense that, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of uh, conflicting personalities and there's, you know, like anything else, any kind of online diatribe, it could be a message board, it could be a Facebook group or whatever. But for 24 hours, George, it was a nice thing. And I think everyone rallied around you and Nick. And I think, uh, you know, it was it was a lot of fun, I think. So what was your impression? I mean, obviously, toward the end, I think you're in almost in a catatonic state. I think just trying to get you were thinking of cheeseburger and milkshakes, which I, I would be right there with you, just trying to power through. <laughs> it was it, it, it was it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I, the problem I, I I had was that I I took this little short nap right before going on. So the first hour I was like, uh, that was the worst part for me was the first hour. Mm, okay. As it went on, it was fine. But to be honest with you, at the end, and I'm not trying to like toot uh, my own horn or you know whatever, but it, by the end of that thing, that last hour, we got up at about 230 people on, you know, with us watching. And that just blew my mind. I don't, I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen that happen, you know, on any other live streams. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to say because it was the best one. I think it was people were just like, is this guy going to die on air? <laughs> you know, it was like that. You know, you know it was that. I don't know that where witness. Yeah. Somebody yeah, yeah. explode like scanners. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. yeah. yeah. You know, it, or like it was, it's like you know, or or the the strange curiosity of like, oh look, double rainbow, you know, and somebody, you know, everybody starts watching that. It's like it's it's why did I watch this? You know what I mean? But it was it was, um, and it felt really good, and it seemed like um, it was like a community type thing, and everybody was wishing us well, and a lot, you know, so many people had stopped by, and by the time we got off the air, you know, there was like almost six thousand views on that thing. Um, and it just, it, it, and, and, it, and I'm not saying it like that was the important part. It no. was just, it was because the fact that people responded so well to it made, made it worth doing and made it feel, you know, good to do and worth, you know, worth the time. Um, that being said, don't, don't go over 12 hours folks, because YouTube won't hold it. They don't. I was going to ask you because yeah, I did see in the aftermath. Um, yeah. you know, obviously, uh, certain folks were able to get out clips that they needed to get out, I guess, but yeah, the actual stream itself, you can't even go back and watch it because you, t- you found out the hard way. YouTube, it's a 12 hour limit, huh? 
That's what, yeah. And I, we didn't know it was like all of a sudden Nick like called me right after. And he said, Hey man, it's, it says it's not available and that it can't be viewed. And I'm like, Oh, maybe, maybe something, maybe we got banned or maybe, you know, maybe there was some, I mean, we said some horrible stuff, you know, (laughs) in our like 17, we were talking about really, you know, that's the other thing is that our show, some it's weird because sometimes people use it as, Hey, this is my chance to get my third grade locker room talk out on board and stream and they come on and, 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 you know, and I'm not a prude, you know, we're all adults. And uh, again, this is not for kids. It's all good. Um, But it, 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 I thought, well, maybe somebody said something so heinous (laughs) that, Maybe during that 17 second blackout in hour eight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, but, it just turns out that that they they're not. I mean, if you think about it, if everybody did twenty four hour streams, their their server would fill up, and they wouldn't. Oh, have, yeah, you know. makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, um, but you know, it was a uh, somebody did cut it down. They took all the boring parts out and made it into a two hour extravaganza. That shows you how much boring stuff there was in the middle, at least as far as they're concerned. Sure, and yeah. they're now hosting it, and they're that's fine, and and they can have all the views. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> But, mm-hmm. you know, so so tell me the aftermath. So because because I, I was there at the end and watching, yeah. I was in the gallery. Do you logged off like I think within like thirty seven seconds of hitting that ten o'clock marker your time. So what what are the next twenty four hours like for you? Like, did you get the burger and milkshake? Where'd you go? Did you just literally go right behind you and just black out yeah. like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Kindergarten Cop and just collapse? Or um, no, because what had happened was is that I had got uh, a text from my parents like ten minutes before the show ended. Like I I looked down and it's my parents, so I had to like I had to get off and call my mommy after uh, the show. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's literally what I did. To be honest with you, I only slept. I, I didn't. I, I only slept for about three or four hours solid afterwards. But I did get my. I did get my hamburger and my milkshake. I did do that. So. Well, well, tell us who you went, George. I mean, because you, you could have went anywhere. Did you go to In and Out? Did you go to a local spot? Um, okay. I had. I door dashed a, a place called The Habit. The Habit. Okay. Yeah. Um. Double char with cheese and a chocolate milkshake. Thank you um, very much. Attaboy. That's yeah, that was my treat. <laughs> so now, I mean, obviously, like you're talking about Mr. Livestream, uh, would you ever do it again? Would you ever do a 24-hour livestream? If you got, I don't know, making it up 5,000 subs or if there was like somebody, sure. who, oh, come on, you'd do it again? Okay. Absolutely. I mean, I it, it to, to me, it was fun. I mean, and and I had a bunch of stuff planned, but it became, it became very clear that I couldn't do that with four or five guests on the screen. You know what I mean? Like I had these like activities that I was going to do because for some reason in my mind, I assumed that there would be these long periods of just me by myself. Right. So when it got down to me by myself and the viewer count was low, I'll, okay, we'll do a cooking segment or <laughs> I'll, you know what I mean? Or I'll do my guitar or guitars or we'll get nerdy with something. And that just, it, it never happened. There was, uh, there was at least three people on the screen the entire time, which was blowing my mind. There mm-hmm. was people that stayed on there for 12 solid hours without getting off. You know, yeah, well, so. who's the guy, I, I forgot his name. I apologize. He was the guy who was in there for like, it was the first 12 hours, an older guy, Jack, was that his name? Yeah, 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 at the very beginning, yeah. And he doesn't live too far away. He lives right up here in Berkeley. Okay, because I couldn't recall ever seeing him before. But, I mean, literally, the times oh. like, I was doing a home project during that first part of it, and every time I'd look at the screen, there was that guy, Jack. And I was like, I've never seen him before. Who is this guy? 
I had never seen him before either, yet I had been on streams with him before because he used to have this big, long, white beard. Oh, it's that guy. Yeah. Oh. He's on the morning show. He'd, he'd, oh, yeah. have, he'd have this big, long, white beard, and then all of a sudden it was just gone. And off and the gray is like, nope, nope. Yeah, and we talked about that, and I was just like, at first when he first came on, I'm like, what the heck is this? And then, you know, of course, he explained it somewhere during the show. I just said, you do look different, you know. So that, yeah, that guy. That's who Jack is. So, so now that we've we've done the twelve or you've done the twenty four hour live stream. Now that uh, you've set the bar, that I don't, I think it's going to be the the Cal Ripley. It's going to be the LeBron James scoring record. Like I don't know. Somebody said yesterday on our stream, they said, uh, "Well, JJ did a forty eight hour stream." I can't confirm or deny, but I, it, it sounded like urban legend to me. But going, I into think it's probably true. But the, uh, my goal was no sleeping. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to go and, and turn yeah. off my camera or people right. watch me sleep on the couch. No sleep on. <laughs> Truman so, show. Yeah, yeah. No, Truman show thing. <laughs> no, that was that was the gig. So I don't know. But because one thing you did say on the stream and this is someone I want to follow up with you on is you were talking about like actually paring down your collection. Is that something you're looking to do going into 2024? And, and, and why? I mean, you clearly the suicide watch was was okay you made it through so it's not like you're looking to end your life prematurely but, no. but why pare down your collection at this point it happens every time i bump my elbow on one of these stupid calyxes and and, and, and survival live, okay i live very modestly sure. okay i have two rooms this size one of them is where i sleep and then everything else i have is jammed into this room you know what is it one two three four six seven eight guitars you know three thousand five to four thousand records and then obviously it's overflowing into my bedroom and then my little you know tiny made self-made kitchen down there has got boxes and boxes of records in there when i stub my toe on a box or i hit my elbow on this calyx over here i go you know what this is stupid you know, I could have twice as much space if I got rid of some of these. And that's that's where it, it starts. Okay. You know, and then sometimes what also happens is that I I I I don't know if anybody's ever had this problem. Sometimes I, I'll be yearning to listen to a record. And I'll it. sit there and I'll just confuse myself <laughs> as to what I want to listen to. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's too many choices, choice overload. Yeah, or like as soon as I set the needle down, like on a record, it makes me think of another one. So then the next thing you know, I'm just I'm jumping from song to song, and I'm listening to one song on a record, and then I go, oh, I might as well switch over to seven inch and listen to forty fives, and then I'm, oh, what well, gosh, but you know, after this song, you know, it comes on the album. Now I'm pulling the album out, and I'm going back, and then it gets more it gets more confusing than it is just you know relaxing and listening to music, right? <laughs> but. Um, I do have this, you know, I, I do, I come from the old school thing where I'm rarely sitting in between the speakers going, Oh yeah, Donald Fagan sure really nailed that. <laughs> I'm usually, I usually put the music on as a background to other things, you know? Um, I like to cook and I like to, you know, play with the dog and, and cook and clean and move around the house and do stuff like that. And usually that's why a record's playing is just to have something going on because I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting in a, in a place and, and, and that's my gig. So I often will take that little flip bin that's right there mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. fill it up with a theme and kind of maybe spend a weekend or mm -hmm. a week, you know, going through a particular theme. I like it. 
Um, and, and then, and, and that way it's kind of decided for me, you know, it's like a little playlist and I just go through them. And as I finish one, I put it back and then I, you know, maybe pull something else out, put it in the back. And I kind of keep the sort of revolving door of those, um, you know, but what's happening right now is I've got, I've got one, two, three, four, five, I've got five cubes of un, you know, filed stuff. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. How do you, how organized are you? Are you an alphabetic? Are you a genre guy? Or like how, how does a perfect world, how do you organize your collection? So, okay. The, the, this whole wall is got built in shelves that have records in them and it goes, you know, a through Z down at that bottom right there. So complete so every, alpha, genre doesn't matter. It's all alpha. no, yeah. No genre, just alphabetized by last name, not first name. Uh, uh, and so it just, it just goes and goes like that. Now that's that. But over here, there's there's nine cubes, and the bottom six cubes are the the go tos that I listen to a lot. As as much as I talk about the, I listen to the Beatles a lot. So heavy rotation stuff. I yeah. still so yeah so Beatles, Stones, uh, Soundgarden, uh, my Kiss records. Even though I never listen to them, but I like to look at them from time to time. Sure. Um, and then uh, and then my Rush records, um, some Bach, and then my. Uh, Coltrane, Blakey, and Lee Morgan records are all in that. And then the top three are just unfiled stuff that I've just never gotten around to. You know, you got to do that worm thing where you make space and then mm -hmm. you got to sit there for three hours moving them around. Then your back hurts, that whole vibe. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's kind of it, you know. Um, I probably got another, I don't know, 600, 700 in the bedroom and another 600, 700 of them in boxes down the hall. So it's. So it's just, you just need a breathing room. It sounds like it is, it, it reached the apex and now it's time to pare it down. Well, yeah, you know, I've, uh, it's funny because I've, I've gotten into going down another rabbit hole on YouTube. One of the other ones I get into is like the tiny living where people. Yes. Like, like yeah, tiny houses. I, I did that during the pandemic. Yeah. I, right. I, van living. I was doing van life stuff. All kinds exactly. Of stuff. And I considered it like I, you know, my dad just said, don't be an idiot. You know, I was telling my parents that like in the summer, I went to visit my parents over in the, in the Virgin islands. And I was like, yeah, I was thinking about getting into the van thing. And my dad's just like, just don't be such an idiot. You're not going to, you're too old to do that. It's for young people. <laughs> It's a young person thing for yeah, and I'm like, well, you know, you never know, but 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 one of the reasons that it helps me is because I I don't I'm not a big house guy. I've had them, I've lived in them, I've owned them, mm -hmm. but I got to a point where when it was when it was down to just me and 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 my son was here, you know, for a year, um, I I like the small and 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 figuring out ways to maximize the space, intentional living, yeah, like the minimum, you know. And, and, and so I learned a lot from watching that kind of stuff. And, but that's the thing, man, I keep going, well, if I was going to get in a van, I, at most, I could think maybe eight cubes could be built in there somewhere. <laughs> so then I go, well, let's get it down to eight cubes. And then I go, oh, well, I don't have to really, mm. you know, I can mm. stay, you know, here and keep them, you know, it's just, I, I, I you know, I, it, just like everybody, I go through those little phases where I, I try to think about something and I want to do it, but then, I talk myself out of it or I talk myself back into it, you know, just the normal flapping. I don't necessarily think that I can part with any of my records, but I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I, I start, I do it 
I'll, I'll be sitting on the couch. I'll be looking up and I'll go, I'm just going to start at the A's and I'm going to pull a record that I don't think I'll ever listen to again. And the first one I get to and I go, well, yeah, you know, I haven't listened to this for three years. And I go, yeah, but I might want to tomorrow. And I start it back <laughs> in. You just tuck it back in. Yeah. And I can't even get one. You know, I can't even get one unless I've got like seven copies of it. I'm like, but yeah, but this one's mono and that one's 65. That one's 69 repress. Mm. I, what if I want to compare them? <laughs> and then, and then it, well, they both go back in. You never wow. know when you're going to need this 15th copy of Abbey Road. This is true. This is yeah. true. Well, as the saying goes, George, it's either day one or one day you decide. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Anyway, well, George, I've enjoyed the chat. We're running up on time, but uh, I'm, I'm appreciative that you came on. I'm, I'm glad to see you've recovered from yeah. the, the mental gymnastics, the verbal gymnastics that a 24-hour live stream can do. And I'm glad we could do this. I know we've been talking. I know, like I said, in the open, like you were the one of the first people I reached out about the, the podcast idea. And maybe that comes to fruition one day. But it sounds like, you know, your stream's kind of – your Sunday stream's kind of what it is. And, and you guys are just kind of like there's no structure. There's, there's no need to, like, have a format like I kind of do in these podcasts. It's just – it is what it is at this point. Yeah. And, you know, we tried, we tried too. it was like, we even sat there and had a little meeting, a production meeting and said, okay, so how are we going to do this? And I, and I saw how you did it too, where you go to, you could do like a live stream in the first hour and then you have the person kind of sign off and say, okay, now that's that. And then that can be edited down. You know, we might, we, we might be able to, you know, to work towards that for 2024, but I, you know, cause I, I like doing as many different things as possible. And I really appreciate what you're doing. I think you're uh -huh. going out and you're trying to do some stuff and add some value and, and add some different angles to what is basically, uh, you know, a, a, a bunch of people that are kind of just talking about records, but you're kind of, you're taking it a, a one step further and added some, some different types of shows. And I appreciate you. And I, I appreciate you having me on here. I really do. Yeah, of course, George. Anytime. We'll have you back for sure. And and I didn't even know this. We had I known you're a closet kiss guy. We just did our. It, it hasn't aired yet, but we just did our last kiss roundtable. I could have had you on. We could have really pontificated about this avatar nonsense that they're doing. And you know, right. I, I could have I could have been learned about how Paul does like the Shecky Green voice. I had never seen it till I seen it. And, yeah. yeah. You know, Mark Copernicus uh, comes on the show kind of regularly now. He always, you know, he has to go on Patrick's uh, at an hour into our show. Because but he always starts, yes. <laughs> gets warmed up on our show and then goes off and does the Patrick's stream too. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's been on our roundtables too. He's a, he's a really smart guy. So, anyway, yeah, George Gordon, thank you for joining. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. And that was another trip around the turntable. Thanks for listening to Vinyl Community Podcasts.